We're so glad to have you here this morning. God bless you for coming on this wonderful Sunday. If you have your Bibles, turn to Hebrews chapter 10. I'm a little hot up here in these monitors, so could you turn them down a little bit? Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 23. Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 23. We're moving things along along quickly in our services now, simply because we're responsible to defog the sanctuary and get everything, the restrooms clean between services. So uh, we move real quickly. Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 23. The writer of Hebrews, I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation. I just, over the last couple of years, have really become fond of this translation. And uh, I know a lot of people uh, uh, have critical things to say about anything, any translation other than the King James. And I understand that. Uh, That's what they were raised with. That's what I was raised with. But I've just really become fond of this translation. It speaks more redneck than King James does. So uh, I can understand it a little better. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. The writer of Hebrews says this, Let us hold tightly. Now listen, if the Lord... And you understand all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. When I say the writer of Hebrews, I'm not talking about... Just a person thinking stuff up to write. The Bible says all, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. People ask all the time, do you believe the Bible is the infallible Word of God? Of course I do. Because the Bible says itself that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. Given by inspiration in the original language literally means it was God-breathed. It was God-breathed. Um, uh, men, one, another version says, another uh, scripture says, men as they were moved by the Holy Ghost spoke these things. In other words, when I say the writer of Hebrews, what I really mean is the Holy Spirit through the writer of Hebrews. Amen. Or the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul. Or the Holy Spirit through James. Or the Holy Spirit through Solomon. Because all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's God-breathed. So the writer of Hebrews says here, in Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 23, let us hold tightly. So anytime God says hold tightly, God's saying hold tightly. Anytime that God says to hold something tightly, that means something's coming to try to snatch it out of your hands. Okay. And how many of you believe there's a spirit afloat in the world today that's trying to snatch the faith out of believers right now. So the Bible says, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep His promise. Verse 24, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not, verse 25, neglect our meeting together as some people do. But encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Now the context of these verses is for believers to think of ways, for you and I, to think of ways to motivate each other to be passionate about our faith. And to motivate one another to be passionate about our church. And to motivate one another to be passionate about serving our community in the days before the return of Christ. 
And the writer here, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is moving the writer, stirring the writer, giving the writer the words to say. The writer is saying this, think of ways to motivate one another. So over the last several Sundays, I've used our Sunday morning time together to try to think of ways and help you think of ways to motivate your friends and your family to be passionate about their faith in these days because something has afloat in America to snatch it out of your hands. Uh, Last week, I was preaching in a very large church, about a little over 5,000, and I preached four services right in a row because they have to have so many services, and then they have live stream that goes to other campuses. So they have a little over 5,000 on every Sunday morning. And I was preaching, and it was the end of the last service. It was the fourth service. I'd been going four services right in a row. They, they end one service. They escort you off the platform, pick you up in a golf cart, and take you immediately to another building where there's already worship going in that building with a different team. You in that service, they pick you up in a golf cart and bring you immediately back to the main sanctuary where that worship service is going. And you're doing that, so it's bang, 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 bang. I didn't even have time to have a donut in the break room between services. And I was at the end of my fourth service, and and I'm tired. I, I You know, I'm not 28 anymore, and I... And uh, so I've gone four services in a row, casting out devils, healing the sick, raising the dead. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm pretty wore out. And, and there's people lined up to talk to me and Amanda. So we always, if people will come forward at the end, we love to talk to them. And, and uh, by this time, it was, uh, it was about 1 o'clock on Sunday afternoon. We'd had services Saturday night, Sunday morning, Sunday morning, Sunday morning. And now it's 1 o'clock on Sunday afternoon. And I'd been going pretty steady. And uh, a young man, he looked to be in his early 20s. And he's last in line. And I'm, 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 I'm greeting everybody, but I'm counting them as they're coming. Whew, I'm getting tired. I'm getting tired. Man, I'm, I'm getting hungry. I'm getting hungry. I'm getting hungry. And, and finally, he gets there. He comes up to me. I'd never seen him before. And I, and I, I said, hey, how are you? He, he introduced himself and... He said, uh, today's my first day here. And I said, well, welcome. You're at you're a great church. This is a fun place, as you can tell. It's great. A lot of young, young. He, I said, where are you from? He said, he, he mentioned the city he was from, which was not that city. He says, I've come here for university. I said, wonderful. I said, uh, do you have any friends here? He said, no, I don't have, I don't, I don't know of anybody He said, and I'll just be honest with you, I haven't been to church in five years. He said, but something's been telling me all week. I need to get in church. I need to return to church. Something's been telling me that. I said, well, that's the Holy Spirit. He said, well, he said, it's been telling me that. And he said, today, I I looked on the internet, I looked online, and I found this church, and See, that's the reason it's so important for your churches, our churches, to have a good online presence because they don't use phone books anymore and, and they don't use telephones anymore. They use the Internet, okay? He said, I looked online and I found this church and I come and of all times you preach on motivating one another to not to leave behind their church attendance. And he says, I believe God was speaking to me. I said, well, you think? 
You really think? This morning as I was uh, getting ready to come to church, my phone dinged and, and I just glanced at it and it was one of those numbers that didn't have a name with it. So that lets you know they're not a, a recent close friend. Okay, You know how you, your phone will pop up and it won't pop up a number, it'll pop up a name. Okay, And uh, ours usually pop up Casey because she calls her mama 28 times a day. So ours <laughs> pop up Casey. And, uh, and uh, so this and it had just a number. So I thought, well, it's probably somebody wanting me to do a buy a warranty for my car. They want me to buy a warranty for my washing machine, uh, you know, things of that nature. They want to talk to me about Medicare, which I usually, when they get to talking to me about Medicare, I say, you don't know who I am. I'm 37 years old. Get off the phone. You're making me mad. Have you seen my white hair? You know, I think of all these things that go through my mind. And uh, uh, so I didn't even pay any attention. I finished getting ready, and then as I was walking out the door, I picked up my phone, and I remembered, so I, I uh, hit the message, and it said, the message say, Hey, Pastor Eddie, I got your number from a dear friend, and said, I heard you last week speak. I hadn't been to church in months. I'd become lazy, and I'd just gotten out of the habit. And I heard you speak. I came back to church to hear you speak, and my heart was stirred, and I've repented and asked the Lord to forgive me. And I'm going to commit myself to getting back in church. You see, we talk all the time about how bad the world is. We talk about how evil things are and how dark life is getting and and how bad the culture has become. And we talk about that all the time because that's... But I want you to understand, there's also something else at work here. The Holy Spirit is working. The Holy Spirit is working. And people whose hearts are sensitive, whether they're in or out, if their hearts are still pliable before the Lord, He is stirring them back to, the, to His fold and to His family and to His side. Now, what you don't want to be is one of those kind that have lost your interests, that are leaving behind. Because the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 25 here, it says real explicitly here, it says uh, in verse 25, let us not neglect our meeting together. That word neglect means to leave behind our meeting together or, or attending worship with our other brothers and sisters. He said, don't leave it behind. He didn't say, it didn't say. The writer did not say, the Holy Spirit didn't say, you stop loving God. The Holy Spirit didn't say, you don't want to be a Christian anymore. He didn't say any of that. He says, just what's happened is you've been tempted and other things have distracted you and now they've taken priority in your life and now you're leaving your worship attendance and faithfulness behind. And he says it's very dangerous to do that in an age in right before Jesus returns. And we don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure out that Jesus must be on the precipice of coming back because things cannot continue the way they are without our world falling off the cliff. You know, it, it, it's important 
Look, let, me, let me give you an example. Turn with me over to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. We talk about darkness. We talk about how bad it is all the time. That's all it's on the, I'll talk to Christians every single day, and they'll say, boy, it's getting bad, isn't it, Pastor? It's getting bad. Yes, it's getting bad. It really is getting bad. But that's all we talk about. But this is our greatest hour. Look what it says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. Jesus is talking. He says, you are talking to Christians. He's talking to believers. Jesus said this now. He said, you are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it's lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. Verse 14. You are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp then puts it under a basket. Instead a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Jesus, Jesus tells us something really. He, he calls us salt. He calls us salt. He says you are the salt of the earth. He calls Christians salt. Salt was a valuable mineral then, and it's a valuable mineral today. Although salt is so plenteous today, not like gold or diamonds where you have it everywhere, we often forget its value and we take it for granted. You can get salt anywhere. You can go to a thousand places in this city and get salt. And the shelves are full with salt. It's not like diamonds and it's not like gold. You just can't pick that up everywhere at a very inexpensive price. But salt can be. And did you know that salt for centuries, was primarily known for three reasons. Flavoring, preserving, and healing. Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. Salt is known for flavoring, preserving, and healing. Now, I don't know much about cooking. I, 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 personally, and to be honest, I know very little about cooking. But I'm an expert on eating. I don't know anything about cooking, but I know a lot about eating. And as an expert eater, I can tell you the difference in French fries without salt and French fries with salt. Can I get an amen in the house? French fries without salt look the same as French fries with salt. French fries without salt have the same color and texture as French fries with salt. But French fries, but a French without the salt is not even a fry. <laughs> Likewise, you and I can look like a Christian, and we can have the same texture of Christians, but if we have lost our flavoring, if we've lost our saltiness, then we're not as going to be as attractive to people that are without the Lord Jesus Christ. 
you and I can look like a Christian and we can walk like a Christian and talk like a Christian, but if in our personal and private lives we do not have Christ-like saltness in us, it'll eventually come out and people will know that we're not genuine Christians. We are hypocrites like this world is so full of. Now, I don't have it figured out yet, but salt has an amazing, is amazing in its properties. It adds flavor to some things and suppresses flavor in other things. Salt is used as a universal flavor improver because at low concentrations it will, uh, it will reduce bitterness but increase sweet, sour, and umami, which is desirable for sweet recipes. But at higher concentrations, it suppresses sweetness and enhances umami, which is good for savory things. It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. Salt can make bitter things sweet, and things that are too sweet, it can tone it down. The same salt. I want you to know as Christians, you and I can walk into darkness and all of a sudden make it light. If we understand we are salt. See, understand, that's why Jesus said, you are the salt of the world. You are a light and you don't hide when things get dark. You don't put yourself under a bushel. You don't, you don't put yourself in a container and, and hide away. And that's what the tendency is right now. Who would have ever thought we lived in a time when our children have to have armed guards patrolling the hallways in the school? Who would ever thought that? Who would ever thought we'd lived in a time where we don't know if our children are going to go from, to school from day to day because of this virus that nobody can control? Who would ever thought we would have lived in a time where our streets, our cities, some of our major cities are being burned to the ground by lawless mobs? Who would ever thought we'd be living in a time where it's the cry is being, is being promoted to defund authority? Who would have ever thought we'd lived in a time like that? Oh, it's dark, Pastor, it's dark. But let me remind you what Jesus says. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither does a man light a candle and put it under his bed and hides it. This is our time. This is our opportunity. See, And the Bible tells us, do not, whatever you're doing, do not do like so many are falling prey to and neglect or leave behind the worshiping of yourselves together. Why? Why do we motivate one another to be at church? Why do we motivate one another to attend? Why do we remind people and call them during the week? And why do we send out so much online and on the internet and, and use so many avenues and send you texts and emails about service times? Why do we do that? Because the day of the Lord is soon approaching. And the Bible says there are benefits for being in the house of God. And here they are, as we've talked so far. Number one, in my local church, I experience the special presence of Jesus with my church family. It's wonderful to do devotions at home. It's wonderful to watch live stream at home. But the truth of the matter is, none of that takes the place of being with the gang at the church house. 
None of that takes that place. Jesus said it this way, Matthew chapter 18, verse 20. He says, for where two or three gathered together as my followers, I am there among them. Jesus said that. He said, when you get together with other people, I'm there in a special way that I'm not there in your prayer closet. I'm there in a special way when you get together. This morning in praise and worship. You know, I, I've been going pretty good this week. I was pretty tired this morning when I woke up. How many of you know you sleep longer on Sunday morning than you will any other day of the week? Any other day of the week, if you have a day off, you jump right up. You can't sleep. I wish I'm going to sleep in in the morning. Bang, you wake up. But on Sunday morning, you will be as sleepy as you'll ever be. Satan hates it when you go to church. Why does he hate it when you go to church? Because he knows if you show up, you will experience the special presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. For where two or three are gathered in my name, I am in their midst, Jesus said. So Satan don't want you getting around Jesus. Because when you get around Jesus, your life changes. See? So in my local church, I experienced the special presence of Jesus. When we come together, just like this morning in worship, I was tired, I was weary, I wasn't going real good. But when I heard Nick start singing and his excitement and his passion for worship, man, it just, it just something jumped off the stage and got on me right down there. And then Amanda, Amanda started worshiping and dancing around. And then anytime she dances, something jumps on me. And uh, it j- just... <laughs> It just, it just jumped on me and, and right, got right there on me. It slopped over on me. Why? I didn't come, exp- I didn't come with a, oh, I'm fired up. I can't wait to get to the house of God. Hallelujah. I just can't wait to preach that gospel. You know, I'm just not like that. I wasn't, I wasn't doing that this morning. I, I was just, whew, man, I'm tired, man. I, Oh, Jesus, come and help me. And you know what? As soon as I got here with you folks and y'all started worshiping, the presence of God came upon me too, and all of a sudden an energy came into my being. Why? Couldn't have got that in my prayer closet. It comes by getting into the corporate presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's something I've learned over the years. I hope you'll remember this. When church attendance becomes optional, My flesh will always choose the option that feeds it instead of the option that feeds my spirit. When church attendance becomes optional, my flesh will always choose the option that feeds it instead of the option that feeds my spirit. Well, I don't feel like it. I want to do this. I want to go play. I want to go do this. I want to have, I want to go delay. I want to do this. See, your flesh, if, if it's optional, whether I'm going to attend church or not, if it's optional, my flesh will always choose the option that feeds it instead of the option that feeds my spirit. And see, church feeds, church gathering feeds your spirit. It doesn't feed your flesh. It feeds your spirit, first of all. So your flesh will always fight against that. And if it's optional, that's why Amanda and I, over the years, it's, it's never been an option. It's never an option. We even, we're, we're even so uh, resolute on that, that even on vacations, we go to church. We find a church to go. I'm not telling you you have to do that. I'm just saying that is a standard we've set in our life, that church, at church time, is not optional because we don't want to give our flesh any option on whether we're going to worship the Lord or whether we're going to feed it. Okay? 
Now, I'm not, I'm not setting that standard. I'm not telling you you're wrong if you, you go to church on vacation. I'm, I'm not, listen, you do what the Lord leads you to do. Just for Amanda and I, we've learned with our flesh, it's, we don't give it an option. Paul says, I bring my body under subjection. Lest after I've preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. And then I just read time and time and time and time again in the Scriptures where men of God were where they wasn't supposed to be at a certain time and they got themselves in trouble. So I never want to give my flesh an option because when my flesh sees that it's optional, my flesh will always choose and lead and desire me to move in a way that feeds it instead of a way that feeds my spirit. So let me tell you this. If you get up on a Sunday morning or a Saturday night or whatever time you're watching us on live stream that you have worship services where you are and your flesh says, I don't feel like going, that's the time you need to go. The flesh is motivating you to do something and keep you away from something that God wants you to have or to lead you in a way that will get you in some type of uh, trouble or difficulty. Don't follow your flesh when it comes to church. Follow your spirit. Don't look for your flesh to, to build up your spirit. Your flesh will always want to build the flesh up. It'll never build the spirit up. Everybody with me here? See, that, that's the reason why we got to pray every day and do our Bible devotions every day and pray in the spirit every day so we'll build up our inner man. Our inner man's got to control us instead of our outer man. See? All right. Number one, the reason I don't want to... Uh, the, the reason I want to motivate other people to be faithful and to not neglect the, the attending of church. In my local church, I experienced the special presence of Jesus with my church family. Number two, in my local church, I find a consistency of the teaching and preaching that makes disciples. I, I don't have time to get into this one again. Acts 2, 4, 40, 41, those who believe what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000. Verse 42, notice the first thing that happened where people were born again and baptized. Notice the first thing. And all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So teaching, the consistent and anointed preaching and teaching a Christian receives, the consistent and anointing preaching and teaching a Christian receives in the local church is the cornerstone of transformation that takes place in their life. Number three, reasons why we need to motivate one another. You say, what do you mean? Well, you need to, you need to tell people, hey, come on. You haven't been to church. I haven't seen you in there in several weeks. Call them up. Hey, come on. Get back. Man, the presence of Jesus is there. We're hearing the word that's going to help us navigate these days ahead. And number three, I experienced the benefit of united worship. And this morning, I mean, the music was as good as you're going to hear anywhere. Uh, it's as good as the devil is going to do. It's going to be good as the devil. Listen to what it says. Psalm 111, verse 1. I will praise the Lord with my whole heart. In the... What's that next word? Assembly. Everybody say assembly. In the assembly of the upright and in the congregation. Everybody say congregation. Notice it's talking about corporate worship. Hebrews 2, 12. I will declare your name to my brethren. In the midst of the assembly, I will praise you. And then here's one of my favorite verses. Psalm 22, verse 3. Yet you are wholly enthroned on the praises of Israel. The Bible says God gets, takes a seat, center stage, when people praise Him. 
When we gather as believers and lay aside our personal struggles and focus on God in music and song, God takes the throne in our life. He sits in our praises. That's why we were energized this morning. That's why we was blessed. It's not because the music sounded so good. It wasn't because Nick is such a fantastic musician, although he is, and a singer, although he is. It's because God came in here, and he took the throne and the priority of our life. For many centuries, churches have abandoned many of the forms of worship taught in the Bible. And we focus mainly on the pre-written hymns and quiet reflection. And while these are valid forms of worship, nothing wrong with them. They're wonderful and great. That is simply only one type of worship, which the Bible teaches is acceptable to God. Okay? Let me give you others. I don't have time to go through all the scriptures, but here you go. Singing together. That's a form of worship, singing together. Number two, shouting and loud praise. Well, that's too loud. Well, that's just a form of worship. It's just too loud. It hurts my ears. Well, we have earplugs. It's just, a, it's just a form of worship. That's Bible. It's Bible. We want the devil to know who we stand for. Lifting up of hands. Well, I just feel uncomfortable. Well, that's okay. I understand that. It might be a little uh, uh, uncomfortable at first, but it's a Bible form of worship. Pro- playing various instruments. Well, we don't believe in having musical instruments in our church. You're not going to do well in heaven. Heaven is going to be full of music. Heaven is going to be full of music. Use of percussions and cymbals is a Bible form of worship. Then there's moments of quiet and silent reflection. That's a form of worship. There's times just to settle it all down and let's just get quiet in the presence of the Lord and let Him work in us and for us. Here's one, dancing, jumping, and clapping. That's a form of worship. Now, I've, I've, I've realized the older you get, your dance is not as good, your jumping is not as high, and your clapping is usually off rhythm. But it doesn't make any difference to God. That's still a form of worship. Kneeling and laying down before the Lord. That's a form of worship. Praising and singing in other tongues. That's a form of worship. So... The key is to worship. Why do we come to church? Why do we motivate one another to come to church? Because it's the, we experience the special presence of the Lord. We hear the teaching of the Word, which transforms our life. And then we get to be a part of united worship. Fourth and finally, the reason why we are to motivate one another to be in the house of God is simply this. I experience the power of united prayer. Matthew chapter 18, verse 19 and 20 again. I also tell you this, if two of you agree on earth concerning anything you ask, he's talking about prayer, my Father in heaven will do it for you. Now, something very powerful occurs when believers gather together to pray. Jesus is very specific about private prayer. Listen to what he says about private prayer. This is something we do every day by ourselves. Matthew chapter 6, verse 5 and 6. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will get. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, pray to your Father in private, then your Father who sees everything will reward you. So we are told to pray in private. 
But it's not either or. Example after example after example is given in the Bible of what happened when the church family came together. They've already prayed in private all week long, but then they come together for worship, and then they, they unite their prayer. And something remarkable begins to happen. Ecclesiastes 4.9 says, Two are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. Another scripture says, If one can put a thousand to fly, two can put ten thousand to fly. There's just a multiplied power that becomes available in the, in the things of God when two or three or a group of people get together in agreement and seek God. There's the benefits of united prayer. Acts chapter 4, verse 23 Acts chapter 4, verse 23. As soon as they were freed, Peter and John returned to the other believers and told them what the leading priests and elders had said. Peter and John had been put in prison for preaching the gospel. But they got free. They were turned out. They were let loose. When they heard the report, all the believers lifted their voice together in prayer to God. Notice, all the believers. It was a community prayer. It was a joint prayer. It was a church service prayer meeting. It was intercessory prayer. Thanking God in prayer. It was a church prayer meeting. Not individual prayer. Not private prayer. They all lifted their voices together to God. O sovereign Lord, creator of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them, you spoke long ago by the Holy Spirit through our ancestors. David, your servant, saying, Why were the nations so angry? Why did they waste their time with futile plans? The kings of the earth prepare for battle. The rulers gathered together against the Lord and against his Messiah. In fact, verse 27, this has happened here in this very city. For Herod Antipas Pontius Pilate, the governor of the Gentiles, and the people of Israel were all united against Jesus, your holy servant whom you anointed. But everything they did was determined beforehand according to your will. Verse 29, and now, O Lord, Hear their threats and give us your servants great boldness in preaching your word, stretching out your hand with healing power. Many miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy child, Jesus. Verse 34, after this prayer, the meeting place shook. Notice when they prayed as a church family, it enhanced, it did something supernatural to the environment. That's why Jesus said, If my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their evil ways, then I will hear from heaven and will heal their land. Why? When the church prays, things happen in the environment. My time is out, but I could give you scripture after scripture after scripture. One time, Peter's in prison. And uh, for preaching the gospel. And uh, the Bible says that the church is praying for him. And the Bible says while the church prayed, the church, they had gathered to pray. They were gathered together. It was a church prayer meeting. They had gathered to pray. They were praying for Peter while Peter, Peter was in prison. Peter was going to be killed the next day. So they were praying. They had had a church prayer meeting. And they were praying while Peter was in prison. While he was in prison the night before he's killed, while they're praying over here on this side of the city, Peter's in prison on this side of the city, the Bible says that an angel shows up. And he opens the door to the prison. The Bible says that Peter had 14 or 16 four quadrants of soldiers guarding him 
four soldiers, four soldiers each. Four times four is 16. He had 16 soldiers guarding him. And the Bible says the angel, and he had, and the soldiers. Now, here's what's amazing about the Bible story. It's in the book of Acts. The Bible says that soldiers were on each side of him, and their hands were chained to Peter's hands. So Peter's sitting or laying down or standing up with chains on each hand, and those chains are connected to the soldiers on each side. That's two. Then he had two at the door, and then he had others all along the way to get to where Peter was, guarding Peter to make sure he didn't break out. And the Bible says, while the church was praying, an angel showed up in his cell, miraculously broke the chains off Peter without alarming the soldiers. Peter gets up. The door of the cell opens up on its own. Nobody unlocked it. They didn't walk through it. It opened up on its own. You've seen those movies where the door, oh, and it squeaks. That's what happened. And they walked past 14 other soldiers who were guarding them without noticing them. Once they got outside the prison, the Bible says the angel disappeared. Peter immediately runs to where the church is having a prayer meeting. And the Bible says there's a woman in there, and he starts knocking on the gate. And a woman died by the name of Rhoda. Remember seeing her on TV? Yeah. She runs to the door, and Peter says, Let me in! I mean, they're going to come looking for him. They're going to chase him down. He broke out. As soon as they realize he's gone, they're coming. Let me in! I'm out here in the streets. She hears the voice of Peter. She forgets to open the gate. She runs back in the house and says, Peter is out there in the street. And the Bible says, the church people said, it's his ghost. They thought they'd done killed him and his spirit had showed up. I don't know what they were praying, how they were praying in faith, but somehow it was just them got together and finally one of them says, go open the gate. And they opened the gate and there he was. Why? Why? How did he get out? How did he spare death? How did he save death? How did he keep himself from being killed the next day? Because the church prayed. The church prayed. Why did we pray a while ago? There's a virus out there that's trying to infect and afflict every one of your family members. And we don't know where it's coming, where it's landing, and how it gets on us. But we know we can pray. We know we can pray. And the Bible says the effective fervent prayer of righteous people makes power available. Stand with me, would you? Thank God for His Word. If you're watching us today by live stream, whatever city you're in, whatever country you're in, if you've gotten away from God, if your fellowship with Him has gotten cold and indifferent, you know whether you're lukewarm, you know whether you've gotten lazy or Whatever. But this is your opportunity. The Spirit of God is pulling you back. Don't be like some who are staying away. Don't be insensitive. God's pulling you back. Just like that young man said, something keeps telling me to come back to church. There's a reason why you're watching today. Allow the Holy Spirit to work in you. If you're here this morning and you've gotten out of the habit 
and you just this was just one of your options to do, but you decided to make somebody happy or you decided to go to church today, but you haven't been in church in a while, that's the Spirit of God. It's not by chance that you're here. He's trying to encourage you. This is a bad day. And this is the time you need to be in the house of God. This season is not a good season. You need to be in the house of God. Be salt. Be light. Renew your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Amanda and Willa be up here and others will be up here to pray with you immediately following service. And if you're watching us by live stream, email us. Do a, do a message. We have people around the computers right now that are responding back to you. Tell us your prayer request. We'll pray for you. Let me pray over you before you leave. Heavenly Father, I thank you that the angels of God encamp about us. I thank you that you said because we're the redeemed of the Lord, we're not of this world. Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. Greater is he that's in us than this virus that's inflicting so many. So in the name of Jesus, I pray blessings upon the people of Family Worship Center. I pray no evil shall befall you. I pray no plague can come nigh you. The angels of God encamp about you to keep you in all your ways. No terror, no terrorists. No death, accident, or injury can come close to you this week because you're the blessed of the Lord. And your ear will, go, will be sensitive to hear what the Spirit is saying. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to thank you for your giving. Thank you for your generosity. We have buckets at the door as you leave. God bless you. Have a great week.